It is a beautiful, beautiful day. Anybody got a word of praise for us this morning? In here, that's 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 a fundamental praise right there. We could be <coughs> hospital. We could be at the funeral home. We could be in jail. I know none of y'all would ever be in jail. <laughs> you know, we could be stuck on the side of the road somewhere, broke down. There's a lot of places we could be this morning, and where we're not at, we ought to thank God we're not there. Amen. 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 Might be in a psychotic ward with dementia. There's a lot of places. We ought to be thankful for where we are in life. I think one of the biggest problems we have in America is we don't appreciate what we have. Okay? And I'll just be honest with you. I didn't see no hitching posts out there for no mule and wagon to be tied. Uh -huh. I didn't walk. Did y'all walk? How many of you had running water this morning? Lights. Huh? How many of you remember Y2K? Remember that? World was going to come to an end. Nothing was going to work. I tell this on my mother. About three or four months after all that, and we did survive and we were alive, uh, she began to tell us that she did three things. She went and bought about a six months supply of, of tea, Lipton tea. She bought enough sugar to sweeten her tea for six months. <laughs> and listen to this one, she's bought her enough Charmin to last a year. <laughs> and I said, Mama, I'm gonna play that at your funeral. <laughs> we are being made fearful because we're all the time looking at the earthly the now. now. We can't help but see earth in now, but we can look beyond that. I did a funeral a few weeks ago of a 95-year-old lady, neighbor of ours in Verona. And my poor mother's grieving herself to death over Miss Friday going home to be with the Lord. Miss Friday had been trying to go for four or five years and didn't wonder why God wouldn't take her. We need to get a perspective, and I told this at her funeral, Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Death ain't no big thing for those who love Jesus and know they're going to heaven. Amen? We need to be reminded of that today. Be thankful. We still have this life, but we've got more than our eyes behold in the hereafter. Amen? For those who are saved. Good to see Eric and Amanda this morning. I knew Eric when he had a little hair. I didn't have a lot of hair. <laughs> I said it right. And uh, I was his pastor and his family's pastor. Good to see him this morning. Good to see you this morning. Turn to Acts 16. Acts 16. Have you ever been in a predicament that you didn't know what to do? Now let that sink in. Have you ever been in a situation and circumstance you didn't know what to do? And we picked the phone up and we called mama, we called daddy, and we called a neighbor, we called a friend. Some folks at the last resort might call their pastor, okay? We're looking at a situation in Acts 16, a crisis that didn't know, know what to do. At a crisis, we need to find the cure to know what to do when we don't know what to do. We're living in a time and we don't know what to do. 
Say amen. Amen. Our papers, our news. Tomorrow we may wake up in another world right here in America. Okay? And, and I tell you how tragic and how terrible it is. Even the little kids nowadays wonder. The age of electronics, they've got watch phones or what, what do you call them things? Uh, that you put on their watch and work like a phone? Smart watch. Huh? Smart watch. Smart watch. Well, I ain't that smart. And you can't read no screen that little either. But it gives them weather warnings and alerts. I got a little granddaughter. She is horrified of the weather. Because last year in April, our house got blown over with some trees on it. That happened to some people this week. Some around here. Some we may know. And when that happens, we just don't know what to do. Paul and Silas in a situation in Acts 16 was in a predicament. They didn't know what to do. Okay? Well, I want to share something with you. Here's what we do when we don't know what to do. Acts 16, verse 25. Now, before I read verse 25, Paul is on a missionary journey. He was led by the Holy Spirit to go where he is, to Macedonia. He landed at Philippi, which was the chief city in that area, okay? He went about in that area, preaching and teaching grace and truth and mercy and salvation, eliminating the law that he was raised in. There was a girl following him around who was a palm reader, a soothsayer, a fortune teller, and she kept going around following them and nagging them and nagging them and nagging them. And Paul turned around and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, that, that demon that possessed her, that's what fortune telling is, come out of her and it left immediately and the men that owned her and used her and sold her saw that their gains was gone <coughs> they was going to make no more money and the Lord had delivered her and destroyed their income and they arrested Paul and Silas and threw them in prison and we find them at midnight in verse 25 at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in, and he came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he asked the greatest question that anybody will ever ask. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the greatest and only answer is, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. I want to interject the thought right there. Sometimes it's in the crisis of life and you don't know what to do. You come to Christ to be a Savior. Mm -hmm. Okay. Been more than one jailhouse conversion. Okay. One crisis. God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, had brought them to this town and had put them in jail. So a jailer for the Roman government could get saved. And the church of Philippi was started. Father, we love you this morning and worship you this morning. And Father, this morning, unbeknowing to me, but beknowing to them and to you, 
We could have someone here this morning in a crisis. The crisis might come up this afternoon. It might have come up last week. It may have been going on for years. They may have inherited it. Maybe generations tried to deal with it. And no one knows what to do. I pray this morning, when we leave this service, we'll know two things. We know we're saved. We've been born again. We'll know you have given us a key to our crisis. Lord, thank you this morning. It's easily said, but it's hard to live. But our crisis as a whole has been good for us. I pray this morning we'll hear from heaven. But right now, in America, as your Christians, as your church, as your children, we don't know what to do. And only you and you only can help us, deliver us, free us. And I pray, Lord, we'll realize it's our responsibility to let you do it in us then do it through us. In Jesus' name, we all would say, Amen. Amen. You ready me to activate? I could just hear you screaming back there while I was praying. Am I on now? I'm not going to repeat what I've said, okay? They can't be wise. <laughs> Listen real careful this morning. Every generation has its crisis. Every generation. I got a I'm seven-year-old grandson. He told Granny this week, said, next year, Granny, at Upward Basketball, they're going to help us keep scoring. He'd been playing these years and called this little and didn't keep scoring. He didn't like it. He made Granny and Mama write down how many points he scored. <laughs> okay? Every generation has crisis. As a pastor, 2 o'clock on Sunday morning, somebody's banging on my door. He's about 15, 16 years old. The love of his life has told him she won't ever see him again. And for him, it was turned upside down, wrong side out. And I needed to sleep. I needed to be ready for Sunday. And I want to say, bud, you're going to get over this. But I didn't. <laughs> okay, because for him, it was a real crisis. My granddaughter in the eighth grade, uh, living with us, sits up in my lap and she said, Papa, if I don't get a cell phone, I'll be the only kid in Kaisu without a cell phone. <laughs> oh, that's a crisis, okay? But then there's that wife who sees her husband 50, 60 years. Don't remember her name. Don't remember her name. Matter of fact, get some mad at her when she tried to do some personal things for him because he can't do them. Who may use language he's never used in his life. Who may say things she never dreamed he'd ever say. Or vice versa. There's the husband caring for the wife. And she hates him for it. Had a good friend of mine and his mother-in-law was living in his house. And he treated her like a jewel. But she hated the fact that he came along one day and married her daughter. And if anybody ever called his name Elvis, she would absolutely long tongue, everybody breathing about that sorry, no count, blank, 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 it comes out her daughter. And they would cry, but she had no idea. Crisis come. They come in health. 
They come to health. You never know why and who has cancer and at what point in time. No explanation. You can eat right. You can exercise right. You can do all the things you just do in life right and have everything that is to go wrong. Okay? And it appears to us that some people are doing everything there is to be done wrong and everything seems to be going right. Now listen real carefully to this statement. We can only see the external. Okay. But may I say this morning without any reservation, any hesitation, or any apology, most of the time and lots of times, it is crisis that drive us to God. Storms, physical storms. Study the Old Testament, read the scriptures. It was in the storm sometimes that people awakened to the fact that God is on his throne and wanting to give grace and mercy and truth. A storm where houses get tore up and communities get wiped out is an opportunity for us to give and to share and express love and care and kindness. It wasn't any fun. My grandson walked in the house last year in April, came in the living room and says, Papa, they just announced on my phone there's 80 mile an hour straight winds coming right through our area. What are we going to do? I said, where are we going to go, Bubba? Ain't nothing we can do. And Granny spoke up and said, we need to get in the bathroom. And when she said that, his bedroom, her bedroom, and the bathroom were destroyed with the hickory tree. And they screamed and cried, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to Emily Bend. We've got no electricity. And the house is running full of water. We're going over to Emily Bend. And we'll wake up in the morning and figure all this out. Okay? And then I fell out of the bathtub and broke some ribs the next week. And I was down four months. It was a crisis time. But guess what? We're living in the house. We're taking baths. And we're doing okay by the grace of God. I want to say this this morning. Some reasons that we have crisis. Now listen to this one real good and write it down. If you don't never wash your hand, write it in hand so you can always read it. We are part of a fallen human race. Adam and Eve fell in the garden. And old Noah picked up that sin curse failure and landed it on his boat and docked it at the shore and it's passed it to us and we're all participating in the failure and the frailty of human life and there's no explanation for it except the fact that sin brought in sickness, suffering, and death. And just because you're the best person in the whole community does not exempt you. Go to Lamar and just get off on each floor walk up and down that up and down that hall and I say this respectfully you will stop your whining and bellyache and thank God you can do it okay and it comes to the best okay little bitty babies are victim of their mother's and daddy's drug abuse and I, they've done nothing they've done nothing to deserve that you've done nothing to deserve it We've just inherited because we are human beings. Relax. Say that to yourself. It just happens and there's nothing we can do about it. Number two. We have it. Crisis in our life because we have encountered some greedy, selfish, mean human beings who aren't like us. None of us would never do anything wrong to harm anybody. Back in the old days, they were saying, fences make good neighbors. Okay? You stay on your side, I stay on my side. Okay? 
But we are victims sometimes of the evil, corrupt, ugly, mean human nature that we have and don't use sometimes. Okay? Now, if you want to stir up a mother, you mess with her kids. Okay? And, and I'll best be honest with you, most daddies ought to get stirred up too. But mama, you're doing a pretty good job in my house. I don't have to get stirred up. I just have sick mama. Okay? But people mistreat us. Listen to me this morning real careful. You're hated by a certain amount of people and they don't even know you. They don't like the clothes you wear. They don't like your hair. They don't like your car. They don't like where you live and they want what you drive. Okay? And they're just here. We can identify a lot of them as Muslims. Okay? Most of them are the servants of self and Satan. Okay? How many of you sleep with the door unlocked and the window up? I'm just going to tell you something. I, I, I remember growing up, and it wasn't nobody's door lock. Okay? Back in my hometown, there was a family of about three generations of bootleggers, and, and they were bad people. Okay? One morning, a group of them, one particular family that I knew personal, was all sitting at the breakfast table, and their daddy said, Who's in there on the couch? Because all the kids were at the table, him and his wife was at the table. He goes in there and pulls the quilt back, and he didn't know that fella. It was cold weather. So he shook him and woke him up. That fella didn't know where he was at either. But he had rambled up into Pontotoc somehow or another. It was a bad cold night, and he went down the street to find a door open, went in, curled up on the couch, covered up in a quilt, and went to sleep. After some time of discussing and debate, he fed him breakfast, he carried him to the bus station, and bought him a ticket for everyone wanted to go. I've always considered that about that fella. But that fella grew up in a tough time. But he showed some compassion, some care for somebody that knew nothing about. And I'm going to say this this morning. I know a lot of so-called church members and Christians don't do that to people they know. Okay, but we're part of a fallen human race and sometimes we're victim of the other people's ugly, mean, selfish things that they do to us and our families. Now, number three, are y'all listening? You might not want to write this one down, but I hope you don't forget it. Sometimes we make some stupid decisions. This ain't a confession. You can just say amen. My wife made one 47 years ago. <laughs> She'll tell you that she still remind herself of that from time to time. I tell everybody that uh, and she sobered up and straightened up outside the keeper. Okay. <laughs> Boy, just sometimes make some stupid decisions. Okay? Now, let's be honest about that. You ever slammed your finger in your car door? What smart was it? Now, I'm not calling you stupid. I'm just saying we make some stupid decisions. Sometimes we buy something and get home and wonder what we're going to do with it. Okay? When the payment book comes, oh man, why did I do this? Okay? So we have health crisis. We've got financial crisis. We've got family crisis. Why does some man raise kids, have kids, with a lady and stay drunk and forsake them and let somebody else raise them. That's unexplainable. 
Why can two people who say I love you for better, for worse, for rich, for poor, sickness, and health, and death do us part, and they're gone in six months? It's a crisis. I'm just, I'm just touching the hem of the garment of crisis situations. But in situations like that, we don't know what to do. Paul and Silas has entered into Philippi. They've been going up and down the street bringing grace and truth and salvation to whosoever shall call the name of the Lord. And they got plagued by an evil working lady, woman, who was being abused and mistreated by those that owned her. And, and they, they brought them up for the magistrate at the gate of the city. And they beat those men. They threw them in jail. <clears throat> Listen to me. God called them there. Keep that in your mind. They didn't wander in down there blindly, stupidly, ignorant. They were called by the Holy Ghost of God. They had planned on going somewhere else, and the Spirit forbid them, and they showed up at Philippi. They went to the Southern Purple, and they had revival, and it broke out all over town like it did up in Kentucky, and I wished it would do it here. Amen. Okay? And they were beaten. They weren't spanked. Do y'all understand something? If you study history, Rome has very few survivors. When Rome ruled, they are the idol of the Muslims today. You understand that? Keep that in mind. This would not be where the American civil liberty, the American or civil, would show up and look at the jail and condemn it and get you a better place to live. This was the cesspool of humanity in the Roman cells. And that jailer threw them in jail. He shackled their feet. They had guards around them, and it's midnight. And nobody can bail them out. It wasn't nobody coming to bail them out. As far as they knew at this time in history, the Lord had got out. Okay, and everybody else was still in trouble in Rome. Okay? When they prayed Peter out, they didn't believe it happened. So here's what their response is to their crisis in verse 25. And this has got to be our response to our crisis on what we do when we don't know what to do. Now, sometimes we can make some smarter decisions. <laughs> Amen? Sometimes we can just be honest and say, I shouldn't have done this. Look the man in the mirror and say, it's your fault, and humble ourselves and correct it. Okay? Sometimes we can do that. But when your loved one and your child is out there in left field somewhere strung out and you know they wasn't raised and didn't learn it from you, it wasn't part of your life, it wasn't part of your friendship, there's nothing you can do to change it or rearrange it. You just don't know what to do. Now listen to me. The first thing they did was pray. Now listen to me real careful. Is prayer different in a crisis than it is with this routine ritual? Uh, Ten years ago, my wife went for a basic checkup once a year. Her kidneys had went from 70-something to 25% since the last checkup. And she had four tumors, stage four kidney failure, and we didn't know what to do. And we went through, she reread all the dates and activities to us this week. Because they'd gone from, from 25 to 15. We're looking at dialysis. And 10 years ago, Brother Trent Nether and his wife, Brother Mike Johnson and his wife, came to our house one Saturday afternoon. We took James chapter 5. She did. She read it. We prayed and anointed her at all, and we've got 10 good years with no trouble. Okay? we got trouble now, but i got news for you this morning. This morning, she said, I think I'll do dialysis at home. She always said she wouldn't because 
everybody in her family, male and female, in-law and outlaw in her family, have died from cancer and kidney failure since we've been married. Everyone, young and old, male and female. And she said, here's what I said, just so y'all know what I said. I'm going to hold your hand, honey, with dials, without dials. It's your decision to make, and I just don't care which one you do. I'm here for you. Okay. She's going to a better place, and I'll be in a mess. But prayer in Christ is different from prayer in common everyday activity. So sometimes we need crisis, and God knows that. And so he appealed back a little bit of that protective lining. And Paul had a crisis come along. It's in the crisis that we approach God because our money, our friends, and our family can't help us. Praying desperately is what's needed in America today. If you don't think this ain't desperate times in America, you need to get your eyes examined, your ears cleaned out. When people don't know what gender they are. Huh? Thank God we passed a law in Mississippi this time that below 18 you can't make that crazy decision and try to rewrite what you really are. You understand me, folks? Y'all understand that? Mississippi made history maybe the poorest state we put in it's abortion and people have voted out. Okay. Y'all say amen right there. Wake up. We had a crisis. If they, if they would ever quit dividing us racially, we might can get along. As long as they can say us and they can say us and we can't say each other, we're going to be divided. Racism is never going to end. Can I say that this morning? There's some people going to be prejudiced about the color of their skin and their culture and they hate you because you're not part of it. We need some people that's going to get a hold to God, hang on to God, to God move. We need some desperate praying in our churches. Now, Every church I've ever pastored, Eric can bear witness to this. I got to church at 30 to 45 minutes early. I brought my men to come with me that would, and we got over there in a the room and we prayed. And I, I ain't talking about social out. I'm talking about we prayed and we begged God to do things. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. Okay? But I do it again today. Do it Saturday morning at 6.15 with some more men. At Living Free Building. Pray for God to help some people. Listen to me. If you had had the kind of crisis told you what desperate praying is, you need one. And I'm not being ugly. There's something about just what we're just saying, walk with me and talk with me. Okay. Get along with God and stay with God or something moves. I know I've done this. I've begged bankers. I've begged people to help me do some things. But i got news for you. I can walk up to the throne room of God and ask my Heavenly Father for help, and I can sit there and stay there till He moves. And one reason we're in a mess in America today, we've just sat back and let it flow. And we've now got a crisis. Our back is against the wall, while we're standing on a cliff looking at a bottomless pit. And there's no man, no party that can help America. None. Some of them still trying to figure out what gender they are, some of them trying to know what a woman is. Okay. Y'all don't think that ain't confusing to our kids, our grandkids, huh? Now listen to me. When you're lying in your bed at night with a 14, 12, 10-year-old grandkid, they say something like this, the light's out. Papa, 
What are they doing with all those babies that are aborting? Now what's your answer? How can a kid that young understand there's some bodies that are being brought out? And he knows what a graveyard is, what a casket is, and what a funeral is. But what are they doing with those bodies? Huh? The leading three nations in the world is committing abortion. It's Israel, China, and America. The leading three in the world. I'd have never thought Israel would have been anywhere in the thing. Abortion is murder. Period. Okay? When you ask something like this, Papa, What's a homosexual? How do you answer that to a nine, ten-year-old kid? With this being bombarded in our schools, and the phones, and the radio, huh? and the news, and being promoted and protected by our great government. Boy, I got a good word on that one. I'll let y'all borrow if you want to. I said, Bubba, it's when a boy kiss another boy like he kisses his girlfriend. He said, ooh. <laughs> Ooh. He had the best expression about it than I did. We need some people that's going to fall on their face, draw up a schedule, and saturate in prayer at our schools, and our county, and our churches, and our nation, among ourselves. And when the crisis comes, and we just shrug it off, we're going to trust somebody else to solve it, we're part of the problem. We're part of the problem. They prayed desperately. Listen to me. You read the Bible. So far, Rome has had no survivors. They killed Jesus. <laughs> huh? And they so mistreated Peter, John, and Paul, Peter, John, and James, and they put them in prison and they beat them. And here's what they said that would stop the Christian movement dead in its tracks. Y'all know what they told them in the early chapters of Acts? They didn't tell them they couldn't be. Couldn't tell him he didn't sing. Couldn't tell him he couldn't pray. They just said, speak no more in his name. And we've took shut up in the theology in America. we got to go out that door and talk about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we've kept our mouth shut at work and school and even at home because we want to go along, get along. Say amen. amen. These men's back against the wall, far as they know, they're facing death and they're praying. And I promise you, it wasn't Lord blessed be with us today. Amen. It was God, if you don't do something, I won't be here. And then they did something else. They sang praises unto God. Now, they didn't even have a Baptist hymn or iTunes. i tell you what they did have. They had a whole history of 150 songs sold up in their mind. Because, see, Paul was a Pharisee. And to be a Pharisee, your granddaddy, your great-granddaddy, your great-great-granddaddy, all the way back to the 12 tribes. And when he was born, he was school-trained to be a Pharisee. And he would have had the book of Psalms cracked and poured in his head like eggs in a skillet every day of his life. And so they would just sing the song. And you've got 150 to pick from right there. We all, the Psalms was written to musical 
note type stuff. And y'all know I don't know what I'm talking about. I just know it was Psalms. But they sang them unto God. Now listen real careful to me. This, this response to their crisis, regardless of the results, was giving thanks to God for where they are and who they were. Now let me say that again. Giving thanks to God for who they are and where they are. Now, we whine and we bellyache. I mean, what did pretty Friday or not, except for the wind? <laughs> huh? Well, none of us got blown away. So we may have some houses to I think y'all said something about a tree got on y'all's house this morning. Did I hear that right? But y'all alive, aren't you? Did a tree blow on y'all's house? Building. Yeah, okay. Listen to me. Just look at what you're wearing. Just look at what you got here in this morning. Look where you live. I mean, we had a selection in my house for breakfast. I just had to cook it. Rose biscuits, canned biscuits, toast, eggs, pork sausage, turkey sausage, bacon, bologna, grape jelly, strawberry jelly, molasses, Eagle Brand syrup, oatmeal, three or four cereals. Huh? Any of y'all got any cabinets, any food in it? Now, I agree with you, it's went up. <laughs> okay? In the Lord teaching his disciples to pray because they asked him to give us this day our daily bread. If they had bread, they had to grind the wheat, all that kind of stuff, go through that process and make their own flour, make their own meal. If they had meat to eat, they had to go down the market and trade something they had for the meat. They had to kill it. It was their own lamb. It was y'all understand what I'm saying? Y'all remember this? We, we need to be a whole lot more thankful in America where we are and a whole lot less complaining. They sing praises unto God. You know, if we'd learn to be thankful for what we have, we would not be missing so much that we don't have. And the biggest thing that we're missing, we don't have what we say on TV and have on our phones coming in. Amen? Yeah. They sing praises unto God. They're in jail. Their feet are in stock. And then they're with every common thug and thief in the world. And they've been beaten. Not spanked, didn't pull their hand back, a little ruler, what, what, what. They beat them. Hey, I mean, they beat them. You get a little picture of it, and you go see that movie, The Passion, and see what they did in that movie. You think that movie could portray this how bad they did beat Christ? Okay? You know, they beat John, 39, 40 stripes, less one, and he survived, so they bought him in a pot of oil, and he still lived, and God gave him the book of Revelation while he was there. So they were thankful. If we'd, be, we'd just sit down and count our blessing like the songwriter said, we wouldn't be worried about what we're missing. Amen? So we have the reason. We got the response. Let's see the results. Well, look real careful. In verse number 26. Oh, I've got to finish up 25. Look very carefully at 25. And the prisoners heard them. Now, I don't want to shock y'all. And I had not done no hard time. But I have been a resident of the States on a few Saturday nights. I never did sing. But I inherited something in my family called snoring. You know what? I never did hear any singing 
palauzaa. Okay. But I sure heard the fellow say, who was that snore they brought in last night? Okay. Prison. People get saved in prison. I can, I can name you some. I can introduce you to both male and female who are walking close to the Lord today and helping others. But all these career criminals, for the first time on a particular night, heard some guys who wasn't trained in the choir praying desperately and singing praises and they all heard it. Now, I, I would like to have been a fly on the wall and see what the conversation was the next cell over. But then it said suddenly in verse 26. Now listen real carefully. I made all that to say this. Our neighbors, our friends, the strangers and those that are literally our foe who can't stand us are watching how we handle our crisis. And they're watching real close. I don't know about where you work, but in most places you work, it's dog eat dog to get a promotion. And they some that'll do anything they can to get ahead of you. There are people that'll drive around Walmart six times to beat you to that parking place that's closer to the door. If they have to back in and go in the wrong way in the lane, amen? And guess what? There's somebody there watching you how you act. <laughs> Amen? And then once in a while we hop on one foot and chew on the other. Okay. The, mouse, the Bible says the mouth speaks the abundance of the heart. And if you want to know what's in somebody's heart, slam their finger in your car door and listen real good. They're watching us. Because you see, they got troubles too. And they have it coated over. And they may have it colored real good, but they got troubles in their world too. And they're watching how we handle our crisis. They're observing how we handle our crisis. They say something like this. I don't see how she is so happy that she just buried her husband. I, I don't see how that she looks so good this Sunday just burying her husband who's had Alzheimer's for nine years and dementia and how she comes to church the next Sunday and she looks 20 years younger. They can't explain that. They don't understand that. I got news for you, she don't understand it either. But the relief that took place in her life and then the peace that they have, that though they may have lost their mind, they didn't lose their salvation. They've gone to heaven. So all the prisoners heard this. They're watching. Because listen to me, Paul and Silas were notorious people. These men have come to our town that's turned the world upside down, wherever it is. They were notorious bringing grace and truth and mercy and were hated for it and imprisoned for it. I want to just say this this morning, this is kind of free. You can be doing, doing everything God's called you to do and have it go wrong. A lot of missionaries have been beheaded carrying the gospel to people who did not understand them, who cannibalized some of them because God called them to go there. And some people went behind them. Some of them are our Southern Baptist missionaries. We ought to say praise the Lord. There in verse number 26, there was an earthquake that shook the foundation in verse 26 of the prison. Literally shook a strong, sturdy, well-built building. Jails and prisons have always been built as secure as they can be because they want to keep those people inside those walls, inside those gates, inside those places. 
and an earthquake came, we need some praying that will shake this county, shake this state, shake this nation. Some mamas did is falling on their face before God doing that. Some churches doing that. Shook the whole thing and the doors all jerked wide open and the chain and shackles fell off their feet. That's God answering prayer in response to prayer, prayer and praise. That's his response to that crisis. He responded to them in that crisis. And he did a phenomenal thing. We use this saying in the drug culture, clean and free. A good song that's been sung, it's written. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. And there's a lot of prisms in a lot of homes that are still free today to come and go internally. Some prisons of shame and guilt, things they did in high school and things they did in college that they've never come clean on because they're afraid somebody to find out about it. Well, God knows it. You know it. Get good at it. Don't the devil keep blinding you and aggravating you because you had acknowledged you did it. Amen? Shook that place, and they were free to go, and what was unique when the jailer who jerked out his sword going to kill himself, he had to give an account for the prisoners, and Paul said, don't do that, don't do that. We are all here. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you drive right over here to this prison with a Sherman tank and you bust down through the middle of that thing, I bet you they ain't all going to be there when the sheriff gets there. Amen? They're going to run. Some of them run and they go out on detail to help pick up in the road with them pretty orange suits on and them green and white suits. But this situation, they were all captivated by the moment that God is doing something. They didn't know what he was doing, but they knew that place had changed radically. And the only thing different that night than all the other nights for the career criminals was two men singing and praising God, Jehovah. And things began to change. The jailer called for a light, ran in there. Now listen to me. Here's why I know Paul and Silas were notoriously popular. He said, what must I do to be saved? It was common language in the common marketplace. They were using this term and telling people that they must be saved to go to heaven. It had become a common used word. Now don't be offended by what I'm fixing to say. There's not one place in all the Bible, and I'm not condemning all that do this, preacher brethren of mine everywhere do this, that ask some people about this, what kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? I'm not being critical of that phrase. Do not. If you live here, I pray you have a flat before you get home. But the Bible used the term, you had to be saved. You had to be born again. Now here's the difference in what I just said about the relationship. Everybody's got some kind of relationship with Jesus. Just like we have with Abraham. Or we have with Abraham Lincoln. But all those who have been saved and born again are distinctly different from those who have a relationship. I'm not going to give you the names of all the people I've ever witnessed to and ministered to who got alcohol and drug problem that tell me every night before they pass out to pray. That's a relationship. We've got a narrow relationship down to the term being born again. It's all right to say, what kind of relationship you have with Jesus? They tell you about the church and about Papa being a preacher and on down the line. But the bottom line is, have you been born again? Have you been saved? That's what we got to get to. It was a common used term in their world. Paul was preaching and teaching and using it in the marketplace making tents. And he said, what must I do to be saved? 
He said, Believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in all of your house. It's amazing to me how many mamas and daddies I've seen get saved, and it trickled right down through the family, like water through a creek. Kids get saved. Have I told y'all about Agent Rogers' salvation experience? Did I tell y'all that last Sunday? Y'all must have forgot it if I did. I'm going to tell you again. He was born and raised in Florida. He was a little, I think he was 9 or 11 years old. Him and his daddy was out in the yard, mowing the yard, doing the yard thing. Fellow pulls up about that at the curb, gets out, walked up and talking to his daddy. Said, Mr. Rogers, we have revival down at our church. And tomorrow night is friend night. I'd like to invite you as my friend to bring you and your family and come go to church at our revival tomorrow night. And he said he was looking up at his daddy and listening to that. And his daddy said, okay, we'll be there. What time? He said, I never heard my daddy tell somebody like that. So after that fellow leaves, he said, Daddy, why didn't you tell him we'd be there tomorrow night? We ain't never been to church. We, we don't, why? He said, that man thought enough of us as his neighbor to type in my yard, announce what was going on, and ask me to come. And so we go. Then Dr. Rogers said this. His daddy was about three steps down that aisle when he got out and into the altar. And y'all know the rest of the story, don't you? Out there mowing the yard. And somebody just casually stopped, invited him to church, and the world has took note what God's done. <clears throat> now, we don't know who that neighbor was. Anymore, we don't know who the four men were that let the man down through the roof. That fellow in that cot sure was glad. Amen. And a lot of people in heaven today, my stepdad and Adrian Rogers went to glory the same week. I called that first class traffic. Listen to me, church. What God did then, God can do now. If we'll come to him in our crisis, fall on our faces, and say, God, I don't know what to do. If you don't do something, I ain't nothing going to happen in my world. Listen to me real careful. My daughter has got into drugs, and she's, a lot, she's not where she ought to be, but she sure ain't where she was. If you don't think me and my wife did pray, begged everybody we knew to pray, pleaded everybody we knew to pray. We asked people to help us pray that didn't like us and don't even know us. People who didn't like me at all said, Pastor, that don't care. Pray for my daughter. Okay? I learned how to pray something. Here's what I would pray at night when I lay down and try to go to sleep. I say, God, I don't know where you are, where she is. But you do. God, I don't know what you're doing, but you do. God, I can't do nothing about it, but you can. Would you? I'd go sleep. I already said it. She ain't where she ought to be, but she sure ain't where she used to be. Okay. Now listen to me. Her kid lived in my house. Okay, step one up still does. I'm his chauffeur. He goes somewhere, he does something. I'm his chauffeur. Got his permit the other day, thank God, one more year and he chauffeur himself. But I may not let him. They keep him back. I like being his chauffeur. I'm his biggest fan. You have crisis in your world. Please do me a favor this morning. Don't tell me you don't. 
Don't pretend you don't. You may act like everything's lily white and all right, and I got news for you. Start peeling that label back. You may have your financial future secured it to be. You've had it made, everything's paid for, and you've got enough income, you're gonna be just fine. Okay. And if somebody don't stop this stupid, ignorant government in this nation, they'll change that and bankrupt you. My granddaddy went to his grave in his 80s. Never forgetting the Monday morning he woke up and walked eight miles of town that he didn't drive. He got there and that bank was locked. And he had 10 kids to feed and 170 acres of land <coughs> and 10 mules and nothing besides that. My mama and them have eaten boiled mules. But you couldn't kill the mules because you had to plow, so you killed the eight the ones that died. My granddaddy's 80 years old. I can, I can sit right now in that yellow swing sitting in that yard of Alabama right now. We lived my granddaddy's stories. Because he never got over the fact the only time I ever seen him cry in my life, the man that run that bank in front of God was his best friend. When his grandkids got killed, when his, he never cried when they found that bank closed and that banker died in late years. He was so attached to it, but he went to Mr. Larry's house and couldn't get a dime out of Mr. Larry because it was open. I, I hope you've got it financially figured out, but I got news for you. One stupid move can change our financial world so fast we couldn't stand it. You say, oh no, they can't do it. Oh yes, they can. Just look down through history. Okay. But we serve a God. When they had to pay taxes to a Roman government, Jesus told Peter to go catch a fish. And inside that fish's mouth was a coin to pay that pagan tribute to a pagan government by our precious Lord. But don't tell me you ain't got a crisis. You're not inspired without notice, didn't you? Thank God somebody hired you without notice before you got home. But all crises don't work out that good. Okay? Some people end up in prison. Dear friend of mine, son's on death row, been there 29 years, right over here in Tippett County. And the crime that that guy committed made the national news in America a few years ago on one of the criminal programs and reenacted the crime. He is from Tippett County. Huh? He finally got saved in prison. He's on death row. All appeals have failed. Just waiting on the phone call. I was pastoring a church in this county when the Wednesday night they made an all-out voice book. There's men from the church I pastored in Bethlehem left on Wednesday night to go search the woods looking for that young lady. He's now called the pastor of First Baptist Church Parchment on death row. But it took putting him there slowed down enough and clean enough <coughs> after about 10 years, 11 years, he got saved by the grace of God. And then a sale about here, and bar you've been to death row, you never go visiting, that's a good place to go visiting, you won't want to go back. But they're by there, so you got to holler around in there. Get one hour a day. Now listen to this real careful. His mother and his daddy have told the parchment for 20 plus years Every time they've had a visiting opportunity, 
you know what most modern bridges would have done? They'd have checked that out. Wouldn't have went. Been ashamed of it. And they have been. Okay. So don't tell me this morning you had got a crisis. Listen to me real carefully. You ain't got a crisis. God don't want to jump right in the middle of it with you. He may not change your crisis. He may lead you right there because that may be what's getting you to walk close to and talk to and spend some time with him. But we got them. Okay. And they don't get no easier and they ain't no fun. Let's just be honest. I learned to pray something one time. God, I don't like this. I don't appreciate this happening to me. This ain't fair. And he said something like this. He said, I know it. <laughs> but listen to me real careful. My wife has told me that to my face. She's been on her knees before, before the church today to me to leave places. And she said, I'm going to tell you something. I'd leave you. If I didn't know we'd be in more trouble out of the will of God than we are in the will of God. <laughs> okay. This morning, you bring your crisis to the Lord. You invite him to be in charge. And him take control. You begin to thank him for what you have instead of whining about what you ain't got. And he might shake your world and set something free. Father, we love you this morning. And we worship thank you this morning we know what to do now when we don't know what to do God forgive us forgive us where we have neglected we have rejected we have whined and bellyached when we think we've got it all figured out and we've got it made in the shade and ain't nobody going to disrupt our plans God you're trying to interrupt our plans sometimes you want to walk with us and talk with us. You want to live in us. So you want to shine through us with our neighbors and our family and our cousins watching how we react, how we respond. Lord, it's painful this morning to have to do this. To have to open ourselves up so much to admit it. We've got crisis. And we we don't look like we've got everything going our way. Lord, I just simply say this morning, it may all go downhill before sundown. Lord, I, Job got up, the richest, happiest daddy in the world this morning. And left to bed with a nagging wife and nothing. And Lord, at the end of the book said he had twice as much. In the end, he hadn't been any. Lord, we've had it made pretty good in America in our lives. We thank you, Lord. We're born to your raised here, living here. Wasn't born in Africa. Wasn't born in the Muslim country, Russia, China. We've been born in the greatest land and the greatest time in history. God forgive us when we whine, But God help us to get you involved in our life. We gotta go out that door, be salt and light, let our light shine so men see your good works in us and glorify you. So Lord, this morning, Deal with us so you can deal through us to help them. Lord, I pray this morning for every generation and every person in this building and get honest with themselves and get honest with you and get ready to get honest with our neighbors and our family and our friends and our strangers. But by your grace, we'd be what they are. But by your grace, they can be what we are. And I pray that this morning. 
for that one that's sitting here that's lost. Lost, know they're going to hell. Been hiding it, been lying to themselves, lying to others, but no deep down inside. They've never been born again. They've cried. They've had some emotional stirring, but they know deep down inside something ain't right. I pray pride and religion to go out the door like raging water down a river. The grace to come flooding in. Salvation will be had. Be born again today. No one's looking. No one's going to be cheating this morning.